You are listening to Something Rather Than Nothing. Creator and host, Ken Vellante. Editor and producer, Peter Bauer. This is Ken Vellante with the Something Rather Than Nothing podcast, and I have Susan Tomorrow, who I've somehow wrangled and, and brought in and basically are saying the things that in your head that I see you talk about in, in film and in connection to Clinton Street Theater. Um, welcome, Susan. Welcome to Something Rather Than Nothing. Hey, Ken. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a great pleasure. And um I wanted to start um, just to jump right into the to the theater and like the what to do and what's special about Clinton Street and just the unique program and what I see of like art outcroppings and art organizing and pulling people together to celebrate deeply loved art. So using that as the locale, tell us a little bit about what you do in the theater. Yeah, totally. Um, I got involved with the theater. Well, first off, I moved here from Austin about two and a half years ago. uh, And I was there for over a decade. I worked as a film programmer and at an independent video store. And I moved to Portland specifically because there's nowhere else on the planet that has independently operating century old theaters like let alone like 12 of them. Um, And I love the Pacific Northwest. And I just ended up writing into the Clinton after going there, seeing a screener. No, no, no. It was a a phone pole advertisement, Kinko's Punk Style, for um, The Last Angel of History and Lawnmower Man. And my thought was like, what the hell theater is showing that? What what the what? (laughs) Exactly. And so I immediately went. And, and saw saw those with, you know, just like a couple other people in the audience and just fell in love with the space. And um, it's been an independently operating functional theater since 1915. And it's just wonderful to like go through the layers of the history. Uh, you know, for a decade, it was a triple X theater and there's all these... Um, rumors and lores and histories that people have about the uh you know wholesome and salacious parts of the theater yeah yeah uh so yeah i wrote in and aaron coulter at the time was helping out the former owners lonnie joan roger lee uh with programming and just kind of getting stuff together and i just wrote in saying hey do you need any volunteers i love the space at the time i was working full-time marketing um and yeah, he just hired me on the spot. So I started working nights there and that's when kind of the transition of the sale happened. And yeah, my main job so far as a new owner is uh, film programming and then like special events. Like we had the Freak Freely Fest last year in August, was brought together like two of my favorite zine heads in town and then a bunch of bands. So we're able to have music, drag, comedy in addition to film. I, I, I mean, I'm just I'll tell you straight up why, you know, I'm really digging on what you're talking about is that um, in doing the podcast, just thinking about organizing, you know, like my day jobs union organizer and just seeing how my brain tries to connect people and what they love and what they're passionate about. Right. It's about like some sort of inspiration. Right. If you're around five people 
who you can have a conversation about a film from 1969 that nobody's heard of. That's thrilling, you know, and I, I get excited by that, that kind of um, potential in, in, in organizing, which is um, uh, really why it's, it's, it's really so cool to chat. What about the Rocky Horror uh, Picture Show and how long that's been playing and like the big, like, longest in the world like what like what's the exact story with that yeah it's been uh it's so cool to have that as part of the roster of the legend you know that that kind of collective queer obsessive community cult experience having it being centered at the clinton for 44 years now um originally in the 70s it was bought by a similar collective as the current owners and they brought in rocky and that kind of put lifeblood back in the theater after it being a triple x spot for a decade um it's incredible to see that even though it's been something that's running for so long there's nothing that beats the enthusiasm of like a queer teenager from some smaller town, you know, an hour away that came in that just gets to be themselves fully yep. and creatively for the first time. Yep. Uh, even my like grumpy old, you know, Statler and Waldorf heart can't get mad at that. And um, the fact that it's still happening, there's the Clinton Street Cabaret, which is a whole separate organization that's been doing the live shadow cast for decades as well, you know, in different incarnations. Um, it's wonderful to have that as part of our helm. Yeah. I, um, I think there's something particular about the places that, that you mentioned. I just want to mention something you mentioned Austin and, and Portland. Now I haven't been to Austin, but I know a lot of people who live in Austin and part of it is a strange connection where I also lived in Madison, Wisconsin, and for some reason there was some sort of nexus like that was north and south between Madison and Austin, uh, university towns in a unique state, just being diplomatic for once, but just like a, a very particular type of vibe. And of course, Portland being unto itself. Um, but there's so much energy towards film and art in these type of places. And um, and I heard in when you were talking about it, how you just drawn to where is film? Where are these old theaters? Where is the biggest, you know, video or movie rental store in the world or the longest running? It's it's here. It's 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 in it's in Portland. Um Prior to me moving here, I was shocked because I was like, it was all my culture that I love and I didn't know people dove in uh, this hard. So there's something unique about where you're doing this uh, as well uh, in, in Portland. What's been your experience going from Austin to Portland uh, for what you're doing? Uh, well... For what I'm doing, it's in Austin, there's like, you have the Austin Film Society, which is really cool. You have formerly, well, the Alamo Draft House, but you know, that was more of an independent thing. And then it's been franchised since and they're everywhere now. Um, the Austin Film Festival and the Blue Starlight Drive-In. Um, it used to have two independent video stores running for forever. Um, Isla Video and Vulcan Video. 
And I worked at I Love Video for a long time and started um, doing outside programming for them. The cool thing about Austin is that every single bar is also a venue because everyone's a musician. Um, yeah. But that also gives you more places to kind of independently screen things, you know, here and there, kind of guerrilla yeah. style. Yeah. Um, which was great, but coming to Portland and just talking to people too that are uh, from here, have lived here for a long time, and they're um, they're like, yeah, yeah, every every neighborhood has its own hundred year old operating theater. I'm like, what? 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 Anything in Austin, since it is in Texas, unfortunately, uh, whoever has the most money wins. Historical yeah. buildings don't get preserved. It's like. Elon Musk and Joe Rogan docking over the city, you know. <laughs> and That's I, a science fiction horror story, except that it's the news, but go ahead. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, for real, for real. Um, and there's still a lot of friends. I'm going actually next week to visit people that are holding it down. But um, things like old buildings, especially old art space buildings, don't stand a chance there. And yeah. here there's like a, a fierce preservation of yeah. them, yeah. which is incredible. Um, also, it's way too hot there. It's definitely too Texas. <laughs> it's not sponsored. I'm not sponsored by the, the Texas, the, the, the uh, travel agent, nothing like that. So we're, we're, we're totally cool. I accept the indictment of, you know, it, it, I, the folks I know, they're um, kind of couple there would end up going there connected to a dynamic that I often saw in Madison with uh, Wisconsin. I've had a lot of experience both in rural and city environments over, over time, but there's such a distinct experience where if you're in Madison, you're in Austin, you are there and there are particular things that are going to be unique there, which is the draw. And it creates these dynamics of like rural versus city that I think people kind of really antagonized. So, um, but Susan, we got some like conceptual questions. I get a, I get a loft a couple of them, uh, at you, um, because I am very interested, uh, in what your definition or what you believe art is. What is, what is art? Um, for me, it can be anything from a physical object uh, to an experience. And for film in particular, it's not just seeing the movie, how well it's done, how creatively it's shot, how good the cinematography is. It's going into a space that is for that collective consciousness and sitting into a piece of art with a bunch of other people experiencing it at the same time. And I'm sure that you've heard a song that changed your mood or seen a movie or read a book that changed something very significant. Sure. Experiencing that with other people, I think is art in itself. Hmm. Um, and just the connection. I'm very, very passionate about that. I, I call it the witch web in my head. But just taking this person who has this highly specified weird interest and putting them with this person, you know, yeah. making kind of modern salons and bits and pieces 
And I think that that smaller community structure is becoming kind of more important as technology progresses so much faster than culture. Um, and I see so many people in Portland living their art. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Fully and thoroughly. And I think that that is partially a, a result of the pandemic is just, I think people are realizing that in the large scheme of things, you should really do what makes you happy, you know, and let your, your freaky flag, whatever that might be fly. And Yeah, and being able to be the connector for that or holding the space for that, like the Clinton to either do community events, bring people together, things that are cheap or free, and then the curation of certain films that for whatever reason I'm completely bonkers about and I think that they're important to be shown or they're rare. Um, that's my art. Yeah, I, I, I'm very moved by what you had to, by what you had to say. And um and I heard in there too, your description of like, you can have the individual experience of what any art piece is, whatever that is. And there's also the collective piece, to be honest with you. I, when I heard that, I was like, oh yeah, of course. Cause I think in my head, I've always kind of like individualized the experience, right? Maybe it's like I'm reading the book and it cracks my head in a particular way, which is me reading the book. But, um, talking about the power of the collective when you're around that type of film that says, yeah, this film says, fuck you. I'm going to do like what I want to do. And I'm going to have this type of character and I'm going to queer this up and or whatever, whatever the project is that you're going to do that. And people go around it and are like, yeah, I want to tell you just one, one thing is like, I've thought about this idea cause I'm newer to arts organizing <laughs> as of like, doing the podcast or meeting people or me identifying as a artist. So this experience is new to me and it's new uh, within the last few years, but I've also done like organizing within a, like a pre existing like environment that's K to 12 education that has all these components. And so I'm able to see the experience of what, what happens do you go in and try to connect and organize around things that are inspiring to people, movies that are, like movements, drag shows, poetry readings, whatever it is. And now I'm looking at that and since is trying to look at like with the podcast and who I'm able to connect with, it's not a terrain that's preset like the other institutions. The art is open and the potential is open. And that's my transformation. So when you're talking about like the organizing component or that collective piece, as important of a point is it still feels newer to me like the that everybody's experience in the art and um making less art less separate in our experience or at least in in, in my head um isn't that where the power is isn't that like the unlocking of like the people isn't that where it is I think I think it is and I think that you know sometimes when you just mention art people think of a painting on a wall but as corny as it sounds, uh, for me, it's it's watching a life-changing movie and it's uh, with other people. Because if you think about it, you're experiencing the same thing. So your heartbeat syncs up. Your heart rate goes faster depending on the scene. Yeah. 
Uh, and that provides a different experience for me, especially the social aspect as well, being able to go out of the film and discuss it with people who have just seen it and then talk about your individual experience collectively. Yeah, I I had I remember that the point that you uh, made around like how there's this sinking, the physical sinking, and I remember I forget which episode, but I was actually talking about opera. I've had a few um, opera singers to like learn about opera in that performance, and just some of the of of voice and the physiological connections that people experience. And once you keyed into like what has happened to you and celebrate it, then you're like wow, I can talk about that I was transformed and felt great sorrow and joy within 10 minutes in an unexpected way and not feel like a weirdo. Yeah. (laughs) You know? To me, it's a more authentic religious experience. Here we are. We're talking about everything. We're talking about something. Um, And uh, tell me, I would uh, qualify myself as a deep, deep lover of horror film. Um, the podcast itself has gotten into some uh, Friday the 13th uh, fan uh, films. And I know um, there's a horror film festival, the Clinton Street uh, Theater as well. I haven't had a, like a lot of contact or maybe linked up to like kind of like local regional horror film festivals. What's, uh, what's that about? It's at the end of the month. That sounds super exciting. That's the Oregon Screams Film Festival. Uh, they're, they're part of a bigger group that does like the Oregon Documentary Film Festival, the Oregon Comedy Film Festival, and they do all of those at the Clinton. Um, in the past, we've had the Guiganol Fest, which is like a horror movie competition, 48-hour film fest kind of a thing. Um, yeah, basically, uh, Aaron and I are... We're responsible for most of the programming and we're both huge horror heads. So, uh, yeah, anytime someone comes with any kind of horror fest, anything, we're usually pretty open to it. I want to um, record for the the record before I ask you the next question. I had the experience of watching a movie which just blew me away as a particular viewer in my experience of the whole thing was uh, horror in the high desert. And um, I just wanted to mention that um, it, um, I don't want to say anything more about it, except that it was a very, very unique uh, experience uh, documentary. Um, So thank you for allowing me to say that out loud, Uh, Susan. I allow you to say and mention any other things you need to say out loud. I wanted to follow up on the, what is art question? And I know we, I know you got into this, but I, I do want to ask it just more generally is what do you think the role of art is? And and I say now as well, if it's changed, what's the role of art? And is it different in 2023 as we're talking than it's been before? Yeah, I think it's, it's different in that it's more accessible. Um, as much as I'm kind of a technology curmudgeon, I my movie specialty is like pre-95 and back. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's more accessible and, and meaning that like people that don't have a lot of money 
and aren't just like a white man can get their art out more just because of yeah. technology. Yeah. But that too sucks people in. It's like that quote from David Lynch where he talks about uh, how you're, you're not watching a movie and you're fucking frowning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's it. Exactly. That's it. Exactly. Um, Thank you for that, by the way. Huh? <laughs> Thank you for that, by the way. <laughs> oh, so good. So good. That and Werner Herzog talking about how chickens are psychotic. They're just like in my head on a loop. Um, totally lost. I just started thinking about Werner Herzog. And no, that's fine. I did the same thing. I got to tell you, before this interview, I said, uh, I know we're going to have to, and not because it won't work. It's because it does work. There's going to be a couple points we're going to have to have to uh, reset. I um I was talking in a recent uh, episode because um, I was talking about volcanoes a lot, and I, I saw this obscure. Maybe you know it. The when Herzog went to the volcano that was going to erupt, there was this island, and all the reports were that it was going to erupt. And he went. This is in the seventies, I think. It was one of his early ones. And he went into it, and then he's just filming the wild dogs. And you're like, is that? Was that is that fucker gonna blow behind him? <laughs> as he's yeah, that's, it's one of those things where it's like, I I love him. I appreciate his genius. Did he care about his film crew? No, not at all. <laughs> but that's the thing too is, uh, you know, great artists aren't generally known as being the most stable. Well, he, he this is this is a director who who openly gave testimony on video about firebombing his lead actor, Klaus Kinski. So <laughs> he was a handful. He was a handful, but I don't know. I'm a union guy. You don't get, I know, the, I know. You don't get the firebomb anybody. <laughs> you can you do not other things. want to work for any of Herzog's <laughs> films. Oh, um, yeah, and that's the thing, even being people that are, uh, you know, pro-worker, both of us were still like, yeah, Werner Herzog rules. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, what do you do? I mean, it's it's the output. You're looking at the output. You're, you're watching. I've always had a strange, deep connection to uh, his Strosek uh, versus uh, Herzog's movie, Strosek, which because I lived in uh, Wisconsin for um, – 12 years of my life and being next to Plainfield, Wisconsin, which is the home of Ed Gein, the famous serial killer. Um, mm -hmm. This had this like, and of course he has locals. Wurzak had locals in the production of the film. It has this super eerie 1970s Midwest creepy factor that is just huge in it. It's such it's such a unique piece of filmmaking, particularly if you dabble around the Midwest and some of those folk. All due respect, love the Midwest, but uh, that that was quite the film's thrill. Sec, have you are you familiar with that one? Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, I am not well traveled in the Midwest myself. Been mostly a West Coast kid, but um, no, that's that's part of the thing. Is like certain places have for lack of a better word, like a, a psychic aura, you know, things that hang. 
Super, um, super creepy. I got one more of those for Wisconsin before you, before I ask you another philosophical question. I lived in Milwaukee, Wisconsin on the west side of uh, Marquette University campus, which is about five blocks from the killing grounds of Jeffrey Dahmer. Mm-hmm. And I used to photograph and I have photographs because I'm just so the haunted place, the haunted place, like the apartment building where all that horror happened is knocked down. But looking at that type of place in the fall, old industrial city, weird Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and you can feel a structure that does not exist. That just does. There's nothing there, but there's something. I'm not trying to do a plug for the show. I'm just saying it was like weird, weird Midwestern stuff. It's uh yeah, yeah, I do I do think whether it's a placebo or not, certain places hold certain feelings and uh the Clintons like that. Yeah. Like especially when it's dark and no one's there. If you're the only Tell one us. in the theater, it's like Tell you can us. almost feel the butts. Tell us. Oh. Oh, you want to hear the 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 ghost secrets? Yeah. Well, I haven't had as many as I would like. There's been a couple of sightings by a couple of other people, but um for me, it's just knowing, knowing that for over 115 mm-hmm. years, like butts have been in those seats, having that artistic experience, even uh, if it was just a bunch of dudes whacking off, they were having it together. That's still energy. It's still energy. <laughs> that's some Crowley and sex magic stuff, you know, uh, without them even knowing it. Yeah. Um, well, um, just the uh, experiences of the of of the of the theater oh, i mean yeah, i yeah. thought of that i thought of that right when you were talking about right there about like whatever it is like whether it's sexual or otherwise like the intense experiences in an in an area and plus the um i, I don't know you probably agree kind of like that spectral aspect of like film and there are people there but they're not real people but they're near us as well and they're doing things that it seems like haunted territory a haunted world particularly over a hundred years Exactly. And even, you know, thinking of, of people, people on the screen as ghosts, they're still humans that affect you emotionally. They change you by witnessing them, even if they're not there. And I think that that just adds to the the beautiful aura that the theater has. There's certain things too, where you can go, um, in a back corner, you can see where in the late twenties, the screen was curved for sound just like every other century theater. And up in the back corner, there's a tiny bit of Art Deco stenciling remaining. Oh, my goodness. Um, And things like cleaning out the stage, finally. We've been doing a lot of uh, just refurbishing of the theater, you know, like helping structure bones a little better. Uh, Finding a whole bunch of hand-painted film advertisements that Muriel from Church of Film did research on these huge painted banners um, for like Kurosawa movies. Uh, They had traveled from a hand painter in Washington and Seattle. They went to a theater up there that Dennis Nybeck, the programmer used to operate, traveled down to the Clinton when he owned it in the late nineties and were shoved in the walls. Whoa. Yeah. (laughs) So it's, it's just an endless an endless adventure, you know, and um, 
the the theater has affected so many different people. And Dennis Nybeck being um, an owner in the late 90s, he's a legendary archivist and programmer, especially for 16 millimeter things. He passed away recently. We had a memorial for him there. But I know that he's had a huge effect on a lot of my film programming and archiving friends now. Yeah. And just being able to trace that path through time, through people that are now in Austin, probably Wisconsin, New York, it, yeah. Seattle, different independent theaters. It's it's a really cool web. I see that too. And I, I, I thank you for mentioning that. And it's like kind of like timely chatting about in, in thinking about connections in, in that web, because I think when you're sensitive to, to, to art and what it can do for people, you like, I mean, I know I can palpably feel excited when I know two people have connected in a place that I know how and why they should have connected, even if though it's like, might seem just a, a passe event in the midst of everything that happens. I know that, there's a magic point there or like that there's like, Oh, something's might happen like out of that, not in the sense of manipulation, but in the sense of organization in placing people towards like a creative spirit. And you like to tap into that, like that type of energy. So, um, and uh, I, uh, how, how big is the Clinton street uh, theater? Uh, it is a perfect 222 seats, single screen. Um, it occupies a building on that corner. The whole block is like a movie set, really. It feels like walking onto a Paramount lot. Um, things have been different things throughout the years, but the Clinton's always kind of been there and witnessed it, seen all the changes. And we've had people come in for memorials, you know, octogenarians who were like, oh, last time I was here was in 1952, you know? And that is amazing to hear. That's something we want to start as the Clinton Street Archives. Yeah. I would love to get stories from people, photographs throughout the years, and maybe collect them and put out like a monthly zine just so people can, you know, kind of see the history for themselves. I, I, I love, um, I've been talking a bit about zines on the, on the show and um, a little bit more kind of like zine makers and uh, comic book folks. And the podcast has a zine actually it has one issue um, is a second one uh, coming out, but really dropping into uh, another vibrant art area that people who know about it, get jazzed about. It's like super exciting to, have cool, mostly cheap stuff and to be able to trade amongst each other, no matter what your age, no matter what your inclination, it's a lot of fun. So I want to see zines because I almost, if I can, try to get any zine uh, that I can get my hands on. That would be lovely. The second issue of the podcast scene is going to be all indigenous um, issue. So issue number two. So um, oh, that's right. I'll look out for it. Yeah, um, I'll get you. I'll place and, definitely place a copy in your hands. Yeah. And that's the beauty, too, is uh, uh, having that gathering place like for the Freak Freely Fest back in August. That is Mara and Corby, who do zines called Little Obsessions and Totally Different Head, which are all about weird art, music, that kind of a thing. Um, bringing them in 
brought in other music people. I know Aaron Coulter, he used to be involved in music stuff and comic stuff. Uh, it's just, it's like a beautiful cauldron to be able to put everybody's weird little interests in. Yeah, I um, I was just at, um, I got to tell you about this. I got another question, art question for you in just a moment, but uh, I'm in uh, Albany. I'm down in Albany, just not too far from up in Portland. So, um, and there's a comic con here, a small comic con. It's called Hub City Comic Con. And I met, I'm wearing a shirt and it's called Sick Town. It's the roller derby team that I did not know about from Corvallis in Albany. And they're forming and putting together their uh, league team. So I was so excited. I got my Sick Town jersey and now know there is roller derby very close to where I am right now. And that has made my world a lot better than it was before that meeting. Hey, you know, <laughs> it's a little thing. I'm so excited. Um, Susan, I wanted to ask you, uh, one of the questions I sometimes ask it at the beginning has to do with, uh, seeing yourself as an artist and, and, and live in that way. Um, when did you, when did you see yourself as an artist? Um, it's hard for me to call myself, you know, an artist in the respect, you know, that I produce a physical object. For me, it's, it's being able to live my passion, which has always been movies. Since as long as I can remember, I was a very latchkey kid with no restrictions. So, and I lived near a video store. Rut row. I know, I know. That combined with like an Oingo Boingo, Oingo Boingo mixtape and Nick at Night <laughs> basically formed my brain at the age of like nine. And it's been that way ever since. Um, being able to have a place where I can foster my specific weirdness and then share it with others and connect those people. Mm -hmm. That to me is the craziest thing. And when I got to become a co-owner, you know, when the sale happened, I'm still looking for tiny pianos to fall out of the sky and hit me because I'm pretty sure in my ninth grade yearbook when it says like, oh, what's your what's your future goal? I mentioned something about Howard Hughes living in an old theater and collecting piss. So it's been a focus for a minute. Yeah. And, and it's somewhere in that range. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And one thing throughout my life that I've always consistently just cared about, been obsessed about, excited about, like it brings pure enthusiasm in a relatively harsh, gnarly world has always been this. And um, yeah, I think that being able to do that as, as part of the Clinton is just being able to live my art consistently, being able to program things like, you know, John Waters and film noir yeah. and being able to show folk horror that hasn't been seen and then being able to show weird shit once in a while that has yeah. a two person attendance that I think is really important. Um, that. I uh, think that my probably deep enthusiasm. I, <laughs> I had um the weird the weirdest movie experience I had, which thrills me to this day. I'm glad it happened to me, as strange as it was. But I was at um the Portland Art Museum and the I think it's the Witzel Auditorium, the 
the, the film screen that they have there at the art museum. And it was a Czech film festival. And I like, uh, I've watched a lot of Czech film and um, I'm kind of fascinated by, by the culture. And uh, I'm watching a bunch of Czech film, different experience, right? One's a comedy, one's this, and there's this, um, it was a drama, you know, uh, and uh, it featured this uh, woman who was the, the star and, uh, you know, highly um, charismatic, attractive lead, like lead, you know, like really the star of it. And I looked in front of me, in the seat in front of me, it was the actress from, I guess she was from Prague, in the, in, who was up there. And my head like exploded. Like for me, it was gleeful and like, but I'm like, like where things come in, you can't compute. It's like if we saw a UFO outside, most of us wouldn't see it because it doesn't fit into the, it shouldn't have happened. So our brain erases it. But I was looking and I was like, wow, there was such a, I, I never been able to describe it, but it was just really cool because there's, you know, in New York City, I'm in Hollywood. I imagine you run to stars all the time. I'm just in a basement theater in Portland. I'm like, that's her right in front of me in the flesh. That type of magic is, uh, I don't know. I remember it to this day. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that, that could only happen in Portland. Um, there's just, there's so much, so much passion for enough weird things that I think it's, uh, it's kind of self-sustaining and self-fulfilling because people, if people have places to go to find each other, things happen. Yeah. 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 And, uh, yeah, I was able to do a private, just like a little private kind of finger night screening the other night with one of my friends who, you know, is such a passion for them. And um, being able to see something on the big screen, too, is a whole different experience. It's like the uh, the art boot on your chest where you just sink into it. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, 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 I sink into all different things. I did sink into the recent... Uh, scream six movie because just schlep it up on the screen for me give me the 3d glasses i'm down whatever i'd like that's just me that's just me i'm boom i'm in the seat i'm doing the thing but um uh that was that was a lot of fun but i wanted to um i wanted to ask you uh susan um about the digging a little bit more on the on the art uh piece and you know seeing yourself uh, as an artist i was talking to um Ricardo Levin's Morales on the show one time and he schooled me and it was kind of the language I was using about labor and trying to organize that way. And then art being as some sort of like dichotomy or something different or something. And he's like, you know, just really pulling me back into the heart and the center of it, whether it's labor or um, protecting rights to access to abortion uh, or it's any of these type of things that that people like it's the art, it's the visuals. Like when I've been in conflict or my teachers that I represent have been in conflict, they draw like motherfuckers all of a sudden. They have the best teachery like postcards. That, I mean, like poster boards that like insult but are not too mean, but get under your skin. And, you know, like the art in the heart, in the organizing, it's all in that activity. And I, I feel that like in what you're talking about and like connecting to the arts, I feel sometimes it's kind of tough to get your hand on 
the art of that organizing or to talk about. And for me, that's, that's the heart of it. So I see you as a deep creative in your description of just how you pulled the program and pulled the people together. That's how I would perceive what you're saying. And I got that lesson from him of just being, Ken, don't talk about art as like some freaking something separate from the whole thing. What do you think about all that? I rambled a bit. No, no, no. I, I agree. Um, and that's, that's really the thing too. You do think about it separately uh, initially, but the whole point of any work of art, I think is you're trying to make or change the way either yourself or someone else feels or both. And that, for me, I've had experiences that were curated by people. I've been to parties, had conversations um, with people that were so, so much more just impressive upon me, like intellectually and emotionally than any uh, piece of, of physical visual arts really got yeah. me. Yeah. Um, and I think that ultimately when you boil everything down, the person viewing the art or making the art or living the art is trying to change or shape or impress a feeling. Yeah. 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 And so I, I fully, fully agree with that statement. Um, I think that objects of art inspire that feeling, but that's ultimately what the quest is, no matter what the medium is. Whether you're connecting people, you're a painter, you're a filmmaker, a musician. Yeah. I love that. I Well, and on the show too, like I've had over 180 episodes and in, in, in talking about it, like I talk about some of my experience in those conversations and like early on, you know, it's art and philosophy, but then I realized that like the, the, the categories did just, they just, they don't work. They don't, they're not useful to attach to because I would encounter female first that I wanted to tell the story about like them being an incredible runner or, or, or displaying an issue like right on their body to bring awareness to it or like whatever it was. And I found that the idea of it being so much more expansive and thinking about it expansively because the categories just kind of like, you know, kind of like just narrow it down. It can be very difficult to describe what you're doing or when you're organizing around, like, what is it that you do? Well, I can tell you about what I do and there's a lot of it and I'm really good at it and it's going down and things are happening. But how the heck I explain that to you? Cause I could see your faces already get a little bit glazed over. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I could talk, I could talk your face off about the things that I'm interested. It's mostly like, um, sci-fi horror golden age hollywood exploitation um things like that forever and ever but a lot of people have that knowledge and that access but um for me each each film that's curated is for a specific purpose a reason a feeling um doing pagan may as the spring hits you know, it's, it's, a, it's a matter of like bringing people back to, to earth. But also for me, because I love blood and guts, a reason to do a little bit of spring horror. Um, hmm. 
let's see. What happens during, what happens? Tell me, like, dig down on that. Like, so I'm on the outside, right? I haven't been there, uh, Pagan May. And you talked about, like, that event. And I would assume there's these these energies and this art experience. Like, what, not, like, what happens? Like, what happens? What's the vibe? <laughs> the vibe <laughs> is great. Um, one of the things that I'm really excited to be making a, a May tradition is showing the original Wicker Man with Christopher Lee, which that movie is one of those movies when seen with other people on the big screen it is epic, more epic than Gone with the Wind could ever be. It's okay. You sold me. You sold me. Yes. And Christopher Lee in a turtleneck and that crazy hair just yelling, you will join this <laughs> cult immediately. I don't care who you are. And you see Britt Eklund's butt. <laughs> so good. Uh, and that were, you know, I, I like to add a, a little William Clatt Castle flair where I can. He's my, like, fake pretend dad and definite idol. Um, like, uh, the first movie we showed in January was which I think is the most joyful movie, um, UHF, Weird Al's UHF. Yeah, yeah. of our times. I love it. Yeah. And as part of that, I had people come up on stage and eat Twinkie Wiener sandwiches, <laughs> which are disgusting. <laughs> um, but a little kid came up and then his dad came out later and said that his shy little kid, that was the first time he'd ever gone in front of anybody for anything, usually a hide behind the coattails yeah, kid. Yeah, yeah. And he slammed a Twinkie Wiener dog and said, I love Weird Al. Yes. And that, that was magic. That's like um, jumping across and over a mountain. Exactly. The That's the spirit of Mr. Weird Al Yankovic pulling that little kid out to just rage and party. See, he almost broke a lamp on Yeah. That <laughs> and things like that, uh, it, it being a collective experience, like, yeah, you can watch UHF on an iPad. But that shit's not going to happen. Yeah. I love that. I love that. that, That's something that I love to bring into you where I can. I love a little bit of a gimmick if the movie's still good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I have to say, uh, cause I got to make sure I get to this, to this question. And, uh, and Susan tomorrow knows I've been desperately seeking Susan to answer the question. Why is there something rather than nothing? So I do have to ask you that, and I need your answer. Oh. Well, there's something rather than nothing, because nothing is the inevitable. It's the inevitable option that we'll all get to in the end. And we only have, you know, a small amount of life bucks. Let's say 100 if you're lucky. (laughs) life bucks and you you know don't have any fun and that hundred years of life bucks is for the something we're all going to go to the nothing but the something for me is it's the time to have fun yeah i really uh, i really i i really i really dig that i uh i would say my personal response to uh when the pandemic stuff started hitting i'm like we're all going to die. I need to do something with my life. That's what I was like. <laughs> I I moved to Portland five months into it. And bing, bing, bong. If I don't get hit with a piano. Yeah. Sitting pretty, you know, in my art. Everything is the best I can ask for. 
Hey, it's all going to open up as we're doing this interview. I know the sun is shining through. Um, you know, we might listen to this podcast anytime, but I want to express the general spirit that the sun out uh, in March uh, in Oregon uh, and in the 60s uh, Fahrenheit is a very uh, inspirational uh, idea. And um, I uh, was looking Susan at the, just the programming calendar, you know, more closely when you look at calendars more closely and just seeing all the incredible, uh, art and opportunities, the Clinton street, uh, theater. And I, I do want to say outside of just getting the description, um, uh, you know, of, of the place is that, uh, just really want to thank, uh, everybody involved with this because, you know, the things we're talking about, are very important uh, and they could be important to a certain number of people, a lot or a few. But what I think people don't realize or I'm sensitive to is that people need things. They need, they need like certain type of experiences and, you know, when they're hosted and shown without their having to be, you know, 175% profit for this 95 minutes is, like where some of it can happen. So I know that's the major place, you know, where, where the theater lives in. Yeah. And uh, because just by its nature, the Clinton's never going to make anybody rich, nor should it. And that means that everyone involved is there for the pure enthusiasm of it. And uh, there's a lot, there's a lot, that can go a lot of places. I'm learning and talking to folks and talking to artists. So, um, yeah, the sun is out. Clinton Street Theater is dope as hell, strong, so many events. And um, I've been talking to Susan tomorrow. I got to tell you, it's a real blast to be able to to meet you and uh, be able to connect um, on what you're doing. And uh, being able to talk about it on on the show, um, got a lot of new listeners, and uh, I'm I'm not shying away from any aspect of spreading what we just talked about and like art and like let's go, let's do it, let's spread the message. So uh, it's, it's so nice to con- it's just so nice to connect with you, Susan. Well, you gotta come see a movie. I'm gonna. I and as a matter of fact, you said Harlan County, uh, USA. I think is as we're recording today. You should tell me since we're still on. What time is that showing today? Harlan County, USA is showing today. Let me double check. I believe three thirty. It's a free screening, and I think that we have a full up RSVP list. But there's always wiggle room. Wow. I uh, I have um. Wow, that is so wild and free too. I love that film. I get a the DVD copy uh, either in the Union Hall or on the shelves I'm looking for over here. Um, yeah, I I adore that one. Very. That one changed me. There's a few that changed me within labor. I'm studying labor, the master's degree at the University of Massachusetts. Deep dive into labor film. That one's got it. Harlan County is a good one. Aaron's really passionate about that too. And um, luckily, because we do some larger events uh, and private rentals, we're able to do the occasional like free screening um, and 
also, you know, show a movie once in a while that it doesn't matter if people come, it just needs to get shown, which is important to everyone. Yep. Yep. That doesn't have to be explained. That's awesome. This is something rather than nothing.